Hello, sons, and hello, brothers. It is time again for stuff I want to say, mostly to men. And what I'm going to talk to you about in this podcast episode is the first of four podcasts about building better relationships. I'm going to talk about four things that you can do to strengthen the relationships you have. This would be with anyone, but especially in the closest relationships that you have uh, with your family. So we're going to talk about building better relationships. I'm going to talk about four things. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, love. I'm going to talk about honor. I'm going to talk about forgiveness. Uh, and then we'll talk about mercy. Uh, you could say love, honor, humility, and mercy. These are the four things that I'm going to talk about. But I'm just going to talk about love first. Because love is a power tool. It's extreme. We've been talking about power tools. Love is an extreme power tool. Maybe maybe the tools are other things. And the power is the, the electric. Um, but we, let me talk to you a little bit about the power and priority of love in the scripture. A man is a lover. A husband is a lover. A dad is a lover. A grandpa is a lover. Remember, the most important thing you do is love. I know of a championship football team where the coach says the first thing that I've got to do is get these guys to love one another. That would be true in every church, and that is absolutely true in every family. You'd be shocked how productive you can be in your company when people really love. And the Bible says that love's the fulfillment of all that God requires. Uh, in the in Mark 12, there was this dispute about the greatest commandment, and and Jesus said, "Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the greatest commandment. And you might say, well, how do I love God? And he would say, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you want to love me, love my people. And then the Ten Commandments. The love is the summary of the Ten Commandments. Listen to Romans 13, 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. The one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So if you want a shortcut to fulfilling God's law, love. Gentlemen, men are lovers. Husbands are lovers. Dads are lovers. They're good at love. Good grandpas are lovers. Good neighbors have love. Good Christians love. Those who fulfill the law, they love to fulfill the law. And the Matthew 22, 39 through 40, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You see that? A summary of the law and of the prophets of the whole Old Testament is love. Love is important, men. James 2.8 says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, that's a third passage that I showed you that ties love and the, and the fulfillment of the law of God. Let's talk a little bit about love. Love is more powerful than spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are amazing. And everyone gets them. And Jesus uh, captured us for himself and won for us spiritual gifts. But love is more powerful then spiritual gifts is behind spiritual gifts. You know this because it says so in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. 
But first, that's First Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It's, it's teaching that love is more powerful than spiritual gifts. And love is also the greatest evidence of God at work in a person. When Galatians 5, uh, Paul wrote about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there's no law. Love is the greatest evidence that God is at work. The fruit of the Spirit, the first listed, is love. Gentlemen. Good men are lovers. Love your wife. Love your children. That's the default position, gentlemen. Love is the apex. By the fire and and built a fire and sit down, got out my little New Testament. And I thought, well, I'll read the epistles of Paul. He went through a lot of trouble. And I'll just read about Paul. And maybe he has something to teach me about ministering in trouble. And I began to read until I came across this. I happened to be reading in the New King James Version of the Bible. That's what the little New Testament was. That was the version of the little New Testament I, at, the, at the time I, I carried in my back pocket. And here's the passage from 2 Corinthians twelve fifteen from the New King James Version. Paul's talking to those he had led to Christ. And he said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. And that struck me because I want people to like me. I want people to love me. A big part of my life is who's going to love me? And do why don't people love me? And why don't they love me more? And who's going to love me? I hate to admit it, but it's true. I wonder if that's true about you. It's certainly true about me. And this in particular, I had an enemy that was causing me trouble. Why? I worked so hard to get him to be, to be, to, I just wanted to be friends. No, he wouldn't be friends. He wouldn't love me. And then it hit me as I read that, I will most gladly, therefore, rather spend and be spent for your souls to the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. I realized that what Paul was saying and the Holy Spirit was teaching me is that it wasn't my job to get people to love me. It was my job to love people, even if they don't love me back. And that was a profound insight. Gentlemen, I want to I want to give you this. It's like a gift. Like I'm giving you a valuable gift, a lifelong gift. This will never get old and it will never lose its power. And that is this truth that relationships are built on love. And a man with good relationships is a lover. And a man that wants love has to decide that he won't go looking for love. He'll go looking for people to love. He won't go looking for people to love him. He'll go looking for people to love. He won't expect his wife to love him or his children to love him. When the expectation in his soul becomes very heavy for his wife to love him the way he wants to be loved and as often as he wants to be loved and for his kids to love him in the way that he wants to be loved or respected and, and, and as often as he wants to be loved. He's going to be disappointed. But when that happens, if he takes that as a, a red light on the dashboard of his soul that something's wrong and he realizes, wait a minute, the oil light's on on my soul I'm expecting to be loved when my job is to love others. You concentrate on loving others and let God love you. And then God will also allow others to love you. But you don't idolize them. You don't depend on them. You don't look to them for what only 
God can give you, and you don't give to them what really belongs to God. So I want to show you these five things out of this passage of 2 Corinthians 12, 15. First, he says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. So this is commitment number one that you should make to yourself. I will love with joyful willingness. I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Love your wife, but love her with joyful willingness. Ask yourself the question at the end of the day, have I loved my wife with a joyful willingness? If I love those in my life with a joyful willingness, that's number one. Number two, it says spend, spend and be spent, spend. I will love with selfless sacrifice. This is the model that Jesus gave. It's clear throughout the Bible, love is sacrifice. So I will love with joyful willingness and I will love with selfless sacrifice. How have you sacrificed for your wife? I was in a hurry this morning. I had a meeting. I wasn't sure I could make it on time, but I had said that I would go get water, bottled water for my wife. It, she could get it, but it's heavy. And so it's she appreciates me doing that. And I had promised her yesterday that I'd get it on the way home, and I forgot. So I said, hey, before 8 o'clock tomorrow, I'll have you some of that bottled water. Then I began to realize I was going to be, I might be late for my appointment if I Went and got that, but I realized now, you know, how can you say to a person, I love you, but I'm not willing to sacrifice anything for you? And that kind of drove me to drive down there, and it wasn't a big deal. I drove down there, I grabbed some water, I brought it back, I put it on the counter, uh, I had my appointment. Right after the appointment, a phone rang, and Lois said, hey, she's still upstairs. She hadn't come down yet. And she says, did you did you get the water for me? I go, I did. She goes, did you, is it in your car, or did you, is it on the pour? I said, it's inside, I love it, put it inside. Oh. Thank you, she said. I love you. And I said, I love you too, but it didn't have a hollow ring to it because I'd done something. How do you love? You do it with joyful willingness and you do it with selfless sacrifice. God help us all, man, to just keep sacrificing in a selfless way. That's the love that really counts. So he said, I will very gladly spend, and notice the next phrase in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, and be spent. What does that mean? Think about that. Spend and be spent. What can that mean? It can be. It can be. It can mean nothing else than, like Jesus. He, Paul had to think about Jesus when he wrote that. Only Jesus, and those who lay down their lives, spend, and they are spent. They spend till they can't spend anymore. They give till they can't give anymore. It's a selfless sacrifice beyond reasonable limits. So number one how to have a powerful love in your relationships, how to build strong relationships through love. Number one, love with joyful willingness. Number two, love with selfless sacrifice. Number three, love beyond reasonable limits. You know, this reminds me of my dad, who was a model and is a model of this kind of love. Many years ago, I was going on a youth event. And it was a time in my life when our relationships had been strained a little bit because we were new to the area. We weren't really strained as much as they weren't. They were just absent. We were just new. And I was interested in building relationships and I was having a little struggle with popularity or unpopularity at school. And I was interested in girls. And I think my dad knew all that stuff. And I wanted to go on a youth function, a church youth trip to Old Man's Cave from Newark, Ohio. Down to Old Man's Cave, probably at least an hour and a half, probably two hours down to Old Man's Cave from Newark. And I was going to ride the church bus. And so my dad was committed to get me there. And he 
he had a little VW and he drove me to the church and the bus was gone. They said somebody thought maybe the bus was over at a different church. He drove over there. Never did find the bus at the different churches that it left without me. And I was disappointed, but I didn't expect my dad to do what he did. He says, well, let's go down there and find it. And he decided that what he's going to do is he's going to drive down the road. He knew the bus was going to take to Old Man's Cave because he figured maybe he could overtake that bus. And he could catch up with him and I could get on that bus. And he drove and drove and drove and drove. We drove all the way from Newark, Ohio, all the way to Old Man's Cave. And in and, and Old Man's Cave, there were a number of different, uh, in the Hocking Hills, there were a number of different uh, sites, you know, that you would go to. And he drove from one to the other until finally he found that old church bus in one of them. And then he connected me with the group. And then he drove back home alone. He sacrificed almost all, he was a pastor and he was a school teacher. He was busy and he's frugal, but he sacrificed a big part of the day and some of his money in order to show me love. I'll never never forget that. And there were many other examples when my mom and dad did that. Gentlemen, that's what we do. We sacrifice and we love. We do it with joyful willingness and selfless sacrifice and we go, beyond reasonable limits, very gladly spend and be spent. And then as it says, the the fourth thing I want to point out is the passage says, for your souls. So it's the highest good of a loved one that we're seeking, not just for their bodies, although that's really important, but for their soul, their highest good. We care about their soul. Gentlemen, you, if you want to love somebody, you care about their highest good. You care about their soul, the disposition of their soul and their spirit. Love is not indulgence. It's not mere sentimentalism. Love isn't just romanticism. Love is acting for the highest good of another. I heard a man say, it was Jay Kessler with Youth for Christ. He said, love will never participate in another's folly. Somebody's going to come along someday and say to you, if you love me, you would endorse my sin. It's like, no, because that would, love does not participate in another's folly. And you may have a difficult decision to make someday. When a loved one decides to indulge themselves in something that's really not good for them, and you can't say it's love to endorse that, as a man, you have to say that's not right. And, and, and love is devoted to the highest good of the loved one. Let's go over those four things. The kind of love that builds strong relationships is loving with joyful willingness, number one. It's number two, it's loving with selfless sacrifice. Number three, it's loving beyond reasonable limits. I'll very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. And it's love for the highest good of the loved one. And number five, it will love trusting God for help. That's why it says this last phrase says, the more I love you, the less I'm loved. When I'm not loved back by my wife, and many times I will not feel adequately loved back. I will not feel respected or admired. Maybe I won't be respected or admired. But that's not a that's not a get out of jail free pass. That's not a, a pass on loving back. We don't look for people to love us, man. We look for people to love. We don't look to have our needs met. We look to meet the needs of others and we trust God to have our needs met. So it's not my job as a pastor or as a husband or as a father to get people to love me. It's my assignment to love like Jesus loved and show people love of Jesus. Jesus, I would remind you, loved people who didn't love him back. Now, here are three questions, guys, that are probably in your mind right now. 
that as I talk about this, this matter of love, that you're probably thinking, I want to answer these three questions. I want to move them off the table so that you be free to love. Question number one, what if I don't feel love? What if I don't feel love? What if I just don't have it in me to love my wife? She's hurt me or my kids and frustrated me and I just don't feel the love. The script, Jesus said this. He said something that contains within it a great secret of human affection. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if you don't feel love, continually to continue to invest in the loved one. It doesn't take maturity or discipline for actions to follow feelings, but wise, mature people discover that feelings often follow actions. So uh, I repeat again what I said before, that love is not basically a feeling, it's basically a commitment. And so if you don't feel love, choose to love anyway until the feelings catch up with you. Second question, what if the one I love doesn't love me back? We would expect to love until somebody loves us back. If they don't love us back, we go on and love somebody else. But, but the Christian way and the husband's way and the dad's way and the grandpa's way is to trust God to meet our deepest needs for love that no man or no woman could ever meet, no child could ever meet. Our need for love, our hunger for love, our thirst for love was designed for only God to satisfy as a reward for giving and for loving that's greater than anything money can buy. And so remember this. Uh, I had a friend who sent me a, uh, my own books to sign. He sent me five. I had written five books. He sent me all five of my books. I thought, well, that's an odd thing to receive in the mail. He says, please sign these and send these back to me because I'm going to give them to a girl whose college bills I just paid off. <laughs> like, wow, that's powerful. Um, he's, he's giving to somebody who can't, reach, can't pay him back. Um, there, there's, I was in the, the um, uh, parking lot of Myers one day. And I had my little red Jeep, and I had been slothful, and I had saved up all my can returns and filled the back of the red Jeep, and I was going to return an entire Jeep full of cans. And this drove over there. I think it was a Saturday morning, and I and this Jeep was absolutely jam-packed full of cans, empties to return for the deposit. And when I started in, I saw there was a guy that was dressed real rough, and he was digging through the trash looking for cans. And I said, hey, are you looking for cans? He goes, yeah. And I go, well, I got a few out here. You want to follow me? He goes, all right. He starts to follow me. I go, well, why don't you grab a cart? And he goes, okay. I go, well, as a matter of fact, why don't you grab two carts? So he grabs two carts and just follows me out through the parking lot. And I open up the back of my Jeep, and his eyes got really wide because the entire Jeep was full of cans. I said, could you use these? And he goes, are you kidding me? Are you serious? I go, sure. Well, I just want you to have them. And I just loaded all these cans into his carts and he went away like a little kid. And, and I drove away with this feeling of joy and satisfaction. And I realized the joy and the satisfaction I got from giving him those cans was greater than anything I could have bought with that $25 worth of cans. It's, it's more fun. That's why Jesus said it this way. It was quoted in Acts that Jesus had said, it's more blessed, it's more fun, it's happier to give than it is to receive. If they don't love you back, you love them anyway. I, I think 
this reminds me a little bit of what I believe is somebody says, what's the best ride at Cedar Point? What's the, I said, well, the best ride at Cedar Point might surprise you. And I have a picture of years ago going to actually Kings Island. It was kind of like Cedar Point when we had four kids and they were small and I had paid their way into Cedar Point and I'd taken money for the gas and for the food and, and that's folding up some bills that I had left, maybe just enough for some Cokes and stuff and to get back home. And I kind of had a concerned look on my face. And what I was going to do is spend all day running around just putting those little kids on one little ride after another. And we did that. We we did that there. We did it later on with more kids at Cedar Point. But I, I've told Lois many times, I've never had more fun than when I went to Cedar Point or Kingsland. I never rode a ride myself. But I just spent all day running around putting kids on one ride after another and just seeing them laugh and uh, and just enjoy themselves. The most fun you can have at Cedar Point <laughs> was seeing little kids have fun. And then them falling asleep in the car on the way home and that peaceful, happy feeling of contentment and well-being that you have. I remember we went to Cedar Point one night and the kids just spent themselves with, with joyful fun all day. And we rode the tram across the top of the park after dark. And then the kids took one or two more rides. I still remember Holly that night had a little silver wig on. She had a little silver wig in her hair and she's riding a little car. And then we got in the car and, and the kids fell asleep and Lois scooter over on the bench next to me. And I just felt an intense feeling of contentment and peace and happiness and well-being. And that's because we had given and we'd seen others receive the, the, the love that we'd given. And there's nothing quite like it. So if somebody doesn't love you back, love them anyway. God will love you back. So there's another question, and that is, maybe you've just tried and you just can't. You say, man, yeah, I know it's true, but I just get tired of it sometimes. I'm just tired of just giving and giving and giving and nobody giving back and not being loved, not being understood not having my needs met, not being respected, not being admired. It's hard. Nobody cares. You know, it just feels that way. And I just want to say to you, when you feel like you can't, you're in a good place. Because no one can love as we should. Jesus said, for our wives, we should lay down our life like Christ laid down his life for the church. I mean, who does that? Who can do that? Without Christ, without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the righteousness of Christ on our behalf and the power of the Holy Spirit, how in the world could we ever do that? We could not. And so if you've tried and you can't, you're in a good place. You're in a place now where you can throw yourself upon God for his power. And, and remember this, you know, who wrote the love chapter of the Bible? Who was that? It's interesting, isn't it? The man who wrote the love chapter of the Bible was Paul. This was the Apostle Paul. He, he saw, um, he, he saw, um, God at work and he came to love God and Paul held coats for the people who stoned Stephen. So I will always believe that one of the reasons that Paul, that Saul came to Christ is because Stephen laid down his life. But in his lifetime, Stephen never saw the fruit of Paul coming to faith in Christ. But there will be fruit in our lives for 
when we lay down our lives, when we sacrifice, remember the fruit of the Spirit includes love. And walking in the Spirit is continually obeying the impulses of the Spirit in the power of the Spirit, which yields the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit within you will be will faithfully prompt you to love. And there's no end to God's love once you start giving it away. A man can be experienced in love and can gain more and more experience in love until he becomes like Jesus. And, and so let me just really encourage you uh, in this by uh, closing the podcast today with a story, a true story, about a guy that I met one day. I met a guy who's dating my sister-in-law, and became my sister-in-law, he's dating my wife's sister. And uh, he called kind of late at night. She was a waitress and got off work late at night. And they'd had an agreement that he would call late at night. I happened to be walking through actually wee hours of the morning. I heard this guy. Who is this guy? He said, Bob Dunbar. Mm. Eventually he came over. We met him. And and uh, Bob, at the time, he, he made a profession of faith. I found out later, earlier. But he wasn't living for the Lord. He had no training. And, and yet he really began to grow. And, and he was baptized, and he started to get really actively involved in an evangelical church and study the Bible, listen to the radio, and became, you know, obviously married Lois's sister, Linda, and became a very, very godly Christian leader. And eventually led lots of other men and ministered to a lot of other men. He was a tremendous help to me. And, and, uh, and he was... He, Bob would always say, I just noticed this when whenever you talk to him, he'd be talking. He would say, well, you know, I have a friend this or I have a friend that. And I used to think to myself, well, it's kind of hyperbole. You know, nobody could have that many friends. But a few years ago on a February day, Bob was out shoveling the walk uh, driveway uh, on a February morning. Uh, on a Sunday, he was shoveling a path for his wife and son to get to church. And then he was going to leave and go and help with the ushering and such and while he was shoveling that path, he had a heart attack. And within an hour, he'd gone to be with the Lord. And then his funeral was held at that church. And I was there to help conduct the funeral. And there were over a thousand people at his funeral. And one after another got up and talked about what Bobby had done for them and what Bobby had given for them as he'd given to me. And he had a thing he would always do, you know, you You'd go out for coffee, and he goes, let me get this. And I'd say, oh, no, no, I'd object. He'd say, oh, please, please. And it was just so common for Bobby to say that, please, please, let me get this, that all the kids, whenever you'd buy something for somebody and they would object, you'd just say, please, please, like that. And they would go, Uncle Bobby, because he was characterized by that giving and by that loving. And then people stood in line for hours to, to pay their respects when he died. Thousands, a thousand, over a thousand people came, packed the church, and everybody had a story to tell about Bob loving them. It was a few months later, maybe it was a year later, and I was over at their house. And he has a son named Bobby. They have six kids, three boys and three girls. And he has a son named Bobby. And Bobby was just sitting there quietly on the couch next to me. And he goes, hey, you want to see my tattoo? And I was like, oh, well, sure. And he pulled his arm back and he showed me his tattoo. And his tattoo I recognized it. It was unmistakably his dad's handwriting. Bob had written me many notes he wrote in printing in capital letters. And he'd written me many, many notes over the years. And very clearly, um, I think what it said was, I love you, comma, dad. 
And it was obviously his note to his son. And his son took that, had it tattooed on his arm. Guys, I just don't have anything to tell you that's more important or more powerful than what I just told you. There isn't anything in the Bible more important. There's nothing more important to your marriage. There's nothing more important to your parenting or your grandparenting. Guys, there's nothing more important to your ministry or your career than this simple four-letter word, love. Gentlemen, learn to love like Jesus loved the church and laid down his life for her. Learn to live love with a sacrificial love. And then before I go, let me just review, remember these things. I will most gladly, therefore, rather spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I'm loved. 2 Corinthians 12, 15. Love with joyful willingness. Love with selfless sacrifice. Love beyond reasonable limits. Love for the highest good of the love. And love trusting that God will help you. Gentlemen, you will have a powerful influence in this world. You will have a powerful influence, an enduring influence on your family. You will have a powerful testimony where you work. And you will have a ministry in your church. If you just love with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you get help from Jesus to to be a, a good lover. We'll talk again next week. Until then, practice loving. Talk to you soon.